0: One animal's waste is another animal's treasure. The dung beetle was worshipped by the ancient Egyptians for its apparent fecal-oriented immortality. But modern discoveries have found new reasons to marvel at this little stinky insect. For those that believe in reincarnation, here is one animal that probably won't make their top 10 list. But sometimes you just need to roll up your sleeves and some dung to survive here in life, death, and taxonomy.
1: Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your thirty minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe, and I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie Michelle for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of her music, search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And today we're talking about a poo-poo paladin that rolls with the punches and makes the most out of a smelly situation. But more on that later. Poo-poo paladin.
0: Mm. This one's. This one is rank with good. nicknames. (laughs) Nicknames.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: I have a surprise for you. Oh, are you gonna hit me with some nicknames?
1: I'm gonna have you do the nicknames first, but I asked Twitter what their favorite like euphemisms for dung beetles would be.
0: Hmm, I'm I'm very interested to see what the answers <laughs> were. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing the dung beetle, but we have got some nicknames to go through. I wanna talk I wanna uh, shout out to Brian As we mentioned before, Brian is the uh, amazing artist for the show. You can see his art on uh, our Facebook or Twitter and also on LDTaxonomy.com for each episode. It's great, but he also likes to send over a little joke in the file name of the art that he sends. And this one was called uh, It's a Dung Deal. (laughs) (laughs) And that got me. Um, We're also going to call it The Great Zamboni. Which not only has to do with the fact that it cleans up things, but also because of its species name. Um, We're going to call it the Fickle Fecal Finder. Uh, The the Bowel Bowler. Good. And um, finally, the the Crappy Cartographer. Or (laughs) the Stinky Cartographer. (laughs) Which is my favorite level from Halo 1. (laughs)
1: cartock crapper
0: yeah cartock (laughs) crapper
1: would you like to hear some some of what the twitter sphere had to say
0: yeah yeah tell me twitter sphere
1: so natalie from across the ages podcast which you heard from last week uh just said one Rolly boy that's what she called it and i think that's a reference to like we like to we often call things boy boy like it's a long boy yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs)
0: one one
1: one roly boy (laughs) i like it uh the nagging naturalist podcast submitted excellent excrement excavators
0: Mm. excrement i was trying to think of the euphemisms or not euphemisms just words for it and excrement for some reason did not come to my mind
1: she said kids enjoy and tend to remember alliteration well so she tries to use either alliteration or rhymes so that's where she, her inspiration for this amazing name came from. And then finally, without further ado, Adolfo sent in one, our friend Adolfo. Without further ado. <laughs> without further doo do do doo Oh, this is going to be bad. It's going to be one of those bad episodes. Uh, he said, um, Magisters of Manure. Magisters of Manure.
0: <laughs> mighty, we- mighty mag- <laughs> Magisters of Manure. Uh yeah
1: the the Sultan of SWAT oh there's another one where you could say <laughs> yeah, that's enough of that let's <laughs> thank hear goodness what, let, let's hear what science has to say about it
0: let's hear it taxonomize this poopy bo- this with this one roly boy
1: uh they're in the kingdom you know love and are in the kingdom Animalia mm-hmm. this is deep taxonomy we're not ready for this.
0: Yeah, there's an infraorder. There's a superfamily. There's a subfamily. There's a tribe. Okay, of phylum. Where's the phylum? What do you think the
1: phylum is? Phylum is uh, arthropoda. There you go. Uh, and then the class is insecta. Yes. And the order is Coleoptera. Mm-hmm, colon. Uh, superfamily is sc- <laughs> Scarabia. <laughs> wow. Four vowels in a row. <laughs> Scarabia. Baioida Scarabaoida? Do you think that's it? Scarabo scaraboida? Scaraboidae, Scarabae-o-idae,
0: yeah. That's what I would say. Wow, that is yes, that is four
1: vowels in a row. Uh the family is Scarabaeidae. Mm-hmm. The genus is Scarabaeus, And then the species is Scarabaeus. Zambizianus. <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> I didn't even,
0: I that didn't even register in my brain until you just said it that way. I I was thinking Zambian. I was thinking zam- Zambesianus. Uh,
1: Zambesianus.
0: Yeah, that's a, that was like my first thought of pronunci- yeah, but like
1: pronouncing. binomial names are never that like concise I don't with their know. pronunciation. We wouldn't
0: know it's Latin. Or Greek but that it just reminded me of Zamboni and Zambonis go and clean things uh, up
1: I just had the, uh, the text Texas speech thing read it and it said Zambezianus
0: Zambezianus so that's another way to say it without smirking
1: <laughs> well I think it's appropriate in this case uh,
0: so it's Scar- Scarabeus it? Zambezianus or Zambezianus but since we're in the business of naming things, cue the quiplash music. It's time for critter groups. I was just listening um, to an older episode the other day, and um, I was thinking, I, I was like, this this music sounds so like familiar, and it reminds yeah. me of the waiting music for uh, quiplash. It's kind of like it a, just
1: reminded a, me of like a quiz show or like a. It's like
0: elevator salsa.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, But and it's pretty good. So anyway, yes, it's time for Crooked Creator Groups, the, t- the part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the collective noun for this animal, or what is the uh, name of a group of this animal, or what is the term of venery? Uh, so there isn't there isn't an official one. It's another one of those without an official one. So you're going to have to guess which one I found on shoutingatseahorses.com.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't do that although if you're in their territory they you know, probably wouldn't be that loud
0: yeah you'd probably just be uh, just blowing bubbles at them um so which one of these did did uh, a, a user on shouting at think is the best or most appropriate term of entry for the dung beetle is it a a dollop of dung beetles B, a pile of dung beetles, C, a ball of dung beetles, or D, a dump of dung beetles.
1: I like all of these. I'm going to go with the ball. Final answer? Final answer. i going to go right on the nose.
0: Eh, it's, in, it's incorrect. I mean, as incorrect as guessing what somebody said one time on the internet can possibly be. The answer is dollop.
1: <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't believe that there's no... Th- term of venery for a dung beetle yeah i couldn't maybe i should have looked at scarabs oh yeah i bet there's a scarab one but in the meantime would you like to hear it described
0: yeah how about you tell us what this (laughs) what it looks like
1: the dung beetle uh is a round beetle with black and brown coloration uh like all insects their bodies are separated into three distinct sections they have a horseshoe-shaped head that often sports spurs or horn-like protrusions, much like their kin, the, um, what is it, the Hercules beetle with the giant like pincer thing? Yes, yeah, that's also in the scarab family. Uh, the beetle, the beetle's thorax is covered by a piece of plate mail, a uh, plate armor called a pronatum same right same uh, and then they have wings that are also covered uh by more armor do you, do you remember what uh, wing coverings on beetles are called mm-hmm. it's a very nice word
0: no i do not remember
1: it's elytron or elite elytron e-l-y what does she elytron that's what the text-to-speech says
0: <laughs> elytron i don't it's been a a little while since we've done a beetle so i don't remember but that's the that's the hard covering shell over their wings yes that's the part that um dill i think his name is from the bug's life is trying to hide the the little ants in (laughs) the hercules beetle
1: sure but anyway that brings us to wondering how big these things are uh So that that brings us to the Measure Up segment. Welcome to the beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words Measure Up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We had a couple good weeks of Measure Up intros, but we don't have any this week, which means we get to hear from an animal and Carlos has to guess what it is. Poop. <laughs> exactly uh, But without further ado The listener <laughs> Without further ado the We already made that joke Listener's favorite part of the show Is that A. A horned Pesaleus beetle B. A giant Elephant beetle C, a Hercules beetle, or D, a rhinoceros beetle.
0: Uh, Hercules beetle. Final answer.
1: Final answer. Yes, that is incorrect.
0: Darn it! It was the only one that I was one hundred percent sure is an actual beetle.
1: Oh man, I was I I was sure you would get it because I I found um I found a video of a giant elephant beetle on YouTube, and it said giant elephant beetle stridulation so it's like yes this is what i want and then i started writing the other ones hercules beetle rhinoceros beetle think beetles i could remember that were in this kind of group of big beetles and then i watched the video and you cannot hear any stridulation you can only hear what sounds like a jet engine in the background
0: this one was pretty bad too it was mostly background noise
1: yeah uh but then I, I found this other one, Horned Pesalis. So I thought like the most obscure of these beetles is Horned Pesalis. And I even stumbled over saying it. <laughs> so I figured that one would stick out like a I, sore thumb. It,
0: I thought that was something that you just you just went Looked
1: up on a list of beetles.
0: Yeah, and I was and we had already talked about the Hercules beetle, so it was the only one I could be sure and not look foolish by going, there is no elephant beetle.
1: There is. You, f- you foolish, All these are real foolish beetles.
0: man. Well, now I assume that, but I didn't uh, 45 seconds ago.
1: I didn't know the rhinoceros beetle was a real beetle because I was just like, elephant, rhinoceros. I'm going to make it a, beetle. It's a beetle. There's a hippo
0: beetle. There's a lion beetle. There's-
1: I tried to find a stag beetle so there would just be a bunch of animal-type beetles. But yeah, I couldn't find it you, saying it. You could probably make
0: anything. an anime about that.
1: I I think we used a Hercules beetle um, flying sound, which I found a video of, but we used it before. Uh, okay. But let's talk length. So there are so many types of dung beetles, and I couldn't find any specific information about this very, very obscure, no, no Wikipedia page having beetle we chose i can find um, lots but, of
0: information about it just not general info about it
1: yeah it's there's a lot of like very specific because it's got some cool major facts but so they, they can be between five the dung beetles in general can be between five and 30 millimeters or 0.2 to about 1.2 inches i think scarab beetles can get even bigger because of the hercules beetle which can be like what three inches long yeah it's the biggest Um, beetle in the world but we're gonna go with 1.2 inches 33 or 30 millimeters how many dung beetles go into the length of the biggest nile crocodile ever i think we might have talked we've done that we you can find our episode on the nile crocodile and i think we might have talked about this particular crocodile before
0: is it, is it the one that eats Dustin Hoffman at the end of Hook? Spoiler alert. Kind of,
1: because here's the hint. To hear more, oh, well, I already said that. The largest Nile crocodile ever is the infamous man-eater Gustav. Oh, we have from,
0: definitely talked about Gustav. From
1: Burundi, who is rumored to kill hundreds of people. So we've talked about this before. We might have even said how big he is. He's thought to have been killed in 2019, by the way.
0: I'm going to say 24 feet long. So I'm gonna say 240 beetles.
1: 240 beetles. Final answer. Uh huh. Well, the correct answer is 200 beetles.
0: Oh, it's, it's a short crocodile.
1: Well, uh, you might be right. We only have eyewitness testimony, and the and uh, a researcher in the or uh, a journalist in the field said that rest estimated it to be 20 feet long. Oh, okay. First I first, and he may 20. be as old as 60 years old.
0: Well, he was.
1: We don't well it's unconfirmed his death is is merely a rumor.
0: Maybe his existence is a rumor.
1: <laughs> no, it, there are definitely conser- confirmed kills by a 20-foot croc. Uh and all you have to do is say that croc's name is Gustav and then <laughs> Gustav exists. It could
0: be it's it's like um it's uh, like Tale of Two Cities. It's Gustav is just the name of a crocodile insurrection group. <laughs> Trying to overthrow the bourgeoisie of the human
1: bur- bourgeoisie. Of the Burundi? <laughs> yeah. Um, of the people of Burundi. Oh, uh, the weight. Let's talk about that. Scarab species can weigh between 100 micrograms to 3.5 ounces or 99 grams, which is quite hefty for a bug. That span is incredible. A hundred micrograms—that's half the half the weight of a snowflake. What kind of tiny beetle is out there? I'm upset about it. I'm <laughs> upset about it. It's such a huge span. But we're gonna go. But it's all with, within it, like
0: this whole family of yeah, or infraorder even of of beetles but a
1: beetle half the weight of a snowflake is so small uh but i guess it's possible there's probably some ladybugs that are quite light it's like the difference
0: between the smallest shark and the largest shark
1: yeah well so what i did was i found the weight of an egyptian scarab beetle which i think is a dung beetle um and it could weigh around 0.07 ounces uh, which is two grams okay so how many dung beetles go? Uh, how many dung beetles would a burrowing owl have to eat to eat its weight in dung beetles?
0: Hey, burrowing owl! That's the FAU mascot.
1: Well, the FAU mascot is just simply the owl. Um, but we have burrowing, we have owl. burrowing owls we, on the campus. We've talked about this. Yeah, I mean a burrowing owl is just not very intimidating because it's quite small.
0: Well, when you make a whole mascot out of it, you can make anything look at least a little bit intimidating.
1: But they, when they bring an owl to the game, it's usually a bigger species of owl. Well, like with, um, we've got
0: the Miami Dolphins, and dolphins do not look intimidating at all, so it does it's, it's fine.
1: And owlsly, the owl usually has horns of some kind, or like a, like an owl does. That's true. Or like owl. a like a burrowing <laughs> owl. <laughs> all right, burrowing owls don't have that. But anyway, here's a hint: burrowing owls in Peru have been observed setting traps with defecation in order to attract dung beetles. They're both old and new world dung beetles. Uh, so burrowing owls aren't eating these, the ones we're talking about today. But
0: Crap traps, the, the little helpful robot in Borderlands 2. Uh, how many ounces? Were we go- the, the Egyptian one, you said 0.012?
1: Just zero,
0: 0.07. 0.07. Two grams. 400. That's my final answer.
1: 400 beetles final answer
0: yeah i have no idea what i'm doing i'm not even gonna do the math
1: <laughs> the answer is 85 beetles. okay well fine <laughs> burrowing owls are around six ounces or 170 grams
0: I, in my head i was like oh, i bet you four ounces is is a good uh guess for their weight and then i was trying to do 0.07 into four uh, no i'm just gonna say 400 <laughs>
1: I mean, six ounces seems quite light, even for a small owl. But, I mean, there are birds. They're designed to be light.
0: And ounces are way heavier than you think they are. That's true. Or I think they 170
1: are. 170 grams. Uh, let's... Are you ready for some fast facts before we get into the major fact? hmm Dung beetles are scarab beetles uh, that were revered in ancient Egypt. Uh, the dung beetle lives up to its name, exclusively eating the fecal matter of other animals. One animal's waste is another's treasured truffles.
0: That they okay. Those, that, those are the first words in my intro.
1: <laughs> wait, all of that the full sentence? No,
0: one animal's waste is another animal's treasure.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, treasured truffles though. Treasured truffles. Uh, they locate these butt fays with their acute sense of smell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, was, that was so... Good. That was good.
1: Well, strap in, because there's more. Some smaller species get their feces from fecal factories directly. They'll find a reliable friend, like a cow, and hitch a ride until the cow drops fresh, baked goods. When, <laughs> when the beetles find a choice morsel, they'll roll it into a ball so they can have a meal on wheels. When it's time to court... Females will select a male based on the size of his carapace. Cell. <laughs> All
0: right, that's a little—that's a little bit of a stretch.
1: <laughs> when the pair comes together, the female will hitch a ride on the chocolate snowball, and the male will push the poo with his back legs while his head faces the ground. Chocolate snowball. <laughs> Dung beetles live in several different environments, including desert, grassland, farmland, and forests. One thing that all these things have in common are their places where you might find ejected poo. Uh, There are both old and new world dung beetles. These manure-loving bugs can be found on every continent except Antarctica. That's a word I'll never be able to say correctly.
0: I don't even put the C in there. It's just Antarctica.
1: Antarctica. However, they prefer temperate weather and avoid hot and cold extremes. These bowel movement movers actually serve an important ecological purpose. They move, eat, and sometimes bury manure, which is important both agriculturally and in forests. Poo helps enrich soil, which is something farmers and gardeners know all too well after a smelly trip to the Home Depot. Poo eaters also help recycle nutrients. Uh, just be glad you don't have to be one, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I am very glad. Leave
1: it to the beetle.
0: Leave it to beetle. Uh,
1: but, but that's all I got.
0: Wow. For those of you <laughs> for whom uh, puns are physically painful, I apologize. But for everyone else, <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> all right. So the major fact is called polarizing Poo. Which is if Winnie the Pooh got on Twitter, and had uh, uh had uh, hot takes, s- hot, hot takes, and political opinions,
1: <laughs> hot takes and hot snakes,
0: where he just thinks we should all be more exuberant. <laughs> so, like, like you said, um, they like to eat excrement. So when a hapless gazelle leaves a fresh pile of dinner on the savannah, there is a tiny butt intense race to claim some of that delicious prize (laughs) so dozens of beetles will be teeming over the spoils so getting the dropping on the competition is vital many insects including most dung beetles well dung beetles in particular they will take off a a piece of it roll it up into a ball and then like you said face away from the the ball and uh, and push it so the question is how on earth do they know where they're going? They are not looking where they're going. They're just pushing a ball with their back legs. Uh, and dung beetles, and along with a lot of other insects, use polarized light to orient themselves. Um, and to find their way to their dens or wherever they're going to bury the uh, their, um, their door dash. So... I'd, I won't go into the actual, like the nitty gritty physics of polarized light because I had to type in, un- explain polarized light for kids into YouTube in order to understand it. Um, <laughs> but suffice to say that most light travels in a beam and the beam shines out in all directions. But, po- but something can happen if it interacts with things like um, atmospheric particles, or or like a specific material that is, uh, that has slits in a certain angle to make that the light that passes through invisible to anyone who is not looking at it at a very specific angle. And that light is called polarized light. And so for example, when uh, sunlight hits uh, like the, the surface of some water, it will reflect back as partially polarized light, but not completely. So when you put on glasses that are polarized, they have, for lack of a better term, slits, uh, you know, millions of them, uh, that make it so that it filters out the all of the other light except for the polarized light. Uh, so that you can, it'll filter out the glare and then you can see further into the water and sea fish and stuff if you're fishing. So a lot of insects use this. They can see specifically polarized light and that, because it can only be seen from one angle or seen better from one angle for them, they can always tell where they are based on the position of the polarized sunlight. The great Zamboni, however, can use not sunlight, well it can use sunlight, but it can also use moonlight, which is one millionth the strength of sunlight. And I know there's a joke somewhere in there with mooning, but I didn't uh fi- I didn't I didn't put it <laughs> I didn't put the pen to paper on that one. Um so re- researchers confirmed this that uh so they angled up the, some polarized moonlight at uh this beetle. And this is the partic- this isn't just all dung beetles. This is specifically Scarabaeus uh Zambesianus. Zambesianus. Levio saw, so they they would angle the moonlight at the the beetle as it was pushing its dinner, and wherever they angled the moonlight, the beetle would correct its course and go toward the moonlight. So they could kind of guide it wherever they wanted it to go, or they wanted yeah. Um, and so this is due to an extremely sensitive ring around the beetle's eye that can detect the incredibly weak polarized moonlight and follow it in a straight line. So since it's the only animal that we know of that can do this it allows it to get a jump on the competition and forage during twilight and nighttime hours uh, because all other dung beetles are incapable of navigating during uh, without sunlight. So if an animal does its BM in the PM, this particular species of beetle will be able to get in on the IPO before it hits the market when the trading starts the next day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, kids. There's there's a, there's a metaphor you can work with. No, so like, yeah, if, a, if an animal um, poos during the night... This particular, this beetle does not have to wait until morning to grab it and bring it back to its den. It can it can find it uh, as long as there's moonlight. If it's a cloudy night, uh, ostensibly they wouldn't be able to do it. However, there is a wired article that I read and I'm not 100% sold on how scientific wired is, but uh, it mentioned a study where the beetles could still navigate on moonless nights. And then they put, so during a moonless night, they put tiny blindfolds on the beetles and only then did they have trouble finding their way. So they, so like I guess, yeah, they, when there was, when it was cloudy or the moon was just not out, um, when it was that time of the month, they could still navigate somehow. So, so. They were thinking maybe it's not the moon that's moonlight they're, they're able to do this with. The article suggested that they're using polarized light from stars in the Milky Way, which I don't – I'm not sure about. <laughs> but that's just what the article suggested. Um, that would be Incredible. And very unique if they could use the very, very faint light. Not only is that light super faint, um, but it's also the polarized uh, aspect of that light would be even fainter. So it's possible, but I think unlikely. I think it's more likely that they uh, maybe use a combination of something like, uh, uh, like magnetism. Like we like uh, homing pigeons, uh, or and and the polarized light to navigate. But you mentioned earlier that the ancient Egyptians would worship these beetles or venerate them. Um, and by the way, every time I w- ty- type the word beetles, my doc, my word, my uh, Google Doc wants me to change it to B E A T L E S, like the band. I'm like, no, I can write about multiple bugs. Thank you, <laughs> without talking about John Lennon. <laughs> the so the reason why they would you think like why why would such a powerful ancient civilization worship uh, the smelliest of all bugs? But the reason is that they would just observe the dung beetle, and they they would watch it push this ball and they would assume that the ball was an egg and because the the beetle would seemingly on its own push the ball bury it and then dig down deep and then a juvenile so the adult would dig down and then the a juvenile would pop up because the eggs had hatched and all that stuff uh, so they thought the scarab was this was perpetuating this in cycle of immortality where it had its own egg and could self-fertilize and then turn itself uh, into, like, and then be reborn as a, as a, as a young, strapping young dung beetle. And uh, so the scarab represents the infinite cycles of the sun, or represented the infinite cycles of the sun to the Egyptians. But they were wrong the the reality is that the female scarab would actually uh dig down in there and uh lay her eggs and then the eggs would hatch and then eat their way out of the fun uh, of the uh the kinder egg
1: <laughs> kinder surprise <laughs> literally it's a surprise full of kinders
0: yeah it's it's about as close that about as apropos as possible but yeah so that's the um not just the dung beetle, but this particular dung beetle. It, it navigates using polarized moonlight, the only animal in the world we know of to do this. Uh, and that's all I got. That's all I got. Alright. That was the dung beetle. So for you out there in podcastia, move quickly. Get a leg up on the competition. And guide your poop by the silvery light of the waxing moon, like the dung beetle here in life. Death impacts on it.
1: Hey, Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated. But recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores slash taxonomy Teas. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry to all the parents that now their kids have a lot of <laughs> words and puns to uh, <laughs> just talk about and use. I,
0: I was I didn't know if uh, I could if if crap was okay to say, but um.
1: yeah, it's been. I remember yeah. that being kind of a taboo thing. Tapu. Our tapu thing.